0: Hey there, and welcome to a bonus episode of Stories from the Mortuary. I'm your host, Aulani Santiago, coming to you live from the first day of Pride Month, 2022. Normally there wouldn't be a new episode until Monday, but I wanted to start this month off by re-releasing an episode I had posted to YouTube back in April. I actually did not realize it was June 1st, aka the start of Pride, until I got to work this morning. Actually, today I had just finished up two out of four days worth of 10 hour shifts and then i've been coming home to do homework so my brain is low-key fried Uh, but this story is really close to my heart because the victim is a latinx trans woman i myself am puerto rican and all my life i've noticed the disparity between the attention that white people get versus the attention that people of color get part of my mission with this podcast is to shed light on those who have been left in the dark Uh, The cases that don't have enough content for a 40 minute episode, and the cases that didn't have a book written about them or a documentary made about them. Disabled people, queer people, indigenous people, people of color, they just don't grab the United States' attention. But I'm here to change that, even if only by a little bit. With that being said, I won't be doing LGBTQ cases the entire month. That's because they deserve more than just a month of dedication just to then be forgotten about for the rest of the year. I'm going to cover cases about queer people regularly, along with the other minority groups I mentioned before. Now I do want to briefly give you some background about Pride. The woman who started it all definitely deserves an entire episode dedicated to her story. You may know who she is already, but if you don't, don't worry. This is a safe space to learn and ask questions, and as per usual, I'll link all of my sources for this episode in the show notes. So, Pride is celebrated in June to coincide with the month in which the Stonewall riots occurred. Although there had been instances of individuals protesting and standing up to police discrimination and harassment of LGBTQ individuals before, Stonewall became the most well known uprising and protest of this kind, helping to kickstart the LGBTQ rights movement and leading to the emergence of Pride Month and Pride celebrations. When cops raided New York gay bar Stonewall Inn more than half a century ago, in 1969, their actions helped trigger a movement that revolutionized the lives of future generations. Police had already raided the Stonewall Inn on Christopher Street that week, and the second time occurred in the early hours of Saturday morning when the venue was packed. This time was different though, and the patrons fought back. A shot glass was thrown into a mirror by... Our girl, Marsha P. Johnson, a black trans woman who yelled, quote, I got my civil rights. That moment became known as the shot glass that was heard around the world. What began in the early morning hours of June 28th and the six days that follow would be the catalyst that propelled the gay rights movement in the U.S. Before I start the story, I do want to give a trigger warning for outdated language. I used a couple direct quotes from interviews of trans women, but because it was the 70s, they do use the words transvestite and transsexual. And if you want to see pictures of Sonia, which is the victim from today's story, you can check out Instagram at StoriesFTMortuary or on the YouTube channel Stories from the Mortuary. It'll be the audio I'm about to play for you now, but without this little preface. Thanks for listening. According to Christina Thomas-White of Catalan News, on any given day in Barcelona's la Park, passers-by can find children playing excitedly, people walking their dogs, animated Quora players, and tourists taking in the sights. An old greenhouse, a statue of a mammoth, and the zoo. Today, The bandstand, not far from the grandiose fountain built around the time of the 1888 World Fair, is a gathering place for musicians, swing dancers, or even rebellious beer-drinking teens attempting to escape their parents' gaze. It's also the site of a notorious murder, one that's been dubbed Catalonia's first hate crime. Sonia Riscalvo-Zafra was a transgender woman born in the Castilian town of Cuenca in 1956 as Spain began to leave the worst of the post-Civil War period behind it. But transphobia and homophobia were still widespread, and in fact, sanctioned by the Franco-era laws. At age 16, Sonia decided to try her luck in Barcelona. Sonia found some success as a showgirl on Barallel, a Catalan capital boulevard then known for its El Molino and Teatre Arnau cabaret theaters. Years later, however, she fell on hard times and ended up homeless and on drugs, resorting to sex work to get by. In 1978, Sonia appeared in an interview published in The Book of Transvestites. In that article titled, A Conversation Without Prejudice with Four Transvestites, Sonia appears along with other trans artists and cabaret performers. One of them is a young Bibiana Fernandez, then known in the entertainment world as B.B. Anderson. There is also Angie Von Pritt, a trans artist who became known for imitating Barbara Ray and another named Desiree. I do not consider myself a transvestite, because all day long I am a woman. This is how sharply Sonia Riscalvo answered the first question asked by the interviewer. Before her, her companions cut her in the same way. Bibiana is even pedagogical. The word transvestite is not the right one to call me. I consider that we are among the transsexuals, with or without surgery, with or without sex change. Transvestite is the man who dresses as a woman to work, but during the day he leads a normal life as a man. I live a very womanly life, 24 hours a day. Throughout the talk, Sonia defends that being trans is not decided, but it is within the person. It is natural. And she acknowledges that she feels quite marginalized. There are times when I feel self-conscious. A lot of people don't understand me, she added. At the time of the interview, Sonia was 22 years old at most. When asked when she started dressing and painting herself as a woman, she replied that she started two and a half years prior. She explained that she couldn't dress like herself before that because she was living with her parents and they wouldn't allow it. In the interview, all of the women discussed the legal problems they suffer, their aspirations, the friendships and stab wounds between trans dancers in the world of clubs and erotic rooms, and dodge the question of whether they also work as sex workers. Sonia answered, quote, I'm a little embarrassed to say it, because that already belongs to a private life. About her future, Sonia said, I think two things. One is to save money and start a business, and the other is to get a rich millionaire to retire me. But her wishes were never fulfilled. Silvia Reyes, a well-known artist and trans-exotic dancer during the 1970s and early 1980s in Barcelona, knows that Sonia's dream soon vanished. At the end of the 1970s, the two shared an apartment on Pillai Street, as well as the stages of several strip clubs. The Sala Rio on Florida Blanca Street and the New York on Escudier Street were where the women took the stage as dancers. Sylvia recounts that Sonia was neither a troublemaker nor did she get into anyone's life. But the two people she fell in love with behaved very badly with her and took her money from her. When she was broke and she had nothing in the bank, she was abandoned. Sonia was very sensitive and quickly fell into depression after the failure of her relationship, which pushed her to drug use until the end of her days. Sylvia recalled that she had never met a trans woman who dressed as well as Sonia. In the early hours of October 6, 1991, Sonia and her transgender friend Doris were sleeping peacefully in the bandstand in Ciutadea Park. A few hours earlier, six teenage boys decided on an evening of mayhem that kicked off at 5.30 p.m. After drinking beers at the Berrigan Bar, they left for the Pop Bar. From there, they went to the SQ pub. Eyewitnesses said they were already drunk when they sneaked into Suthadea Park through a hole in the fence. Others denied it. They walked to the roundabout of the musicians, an area frequented by LGBTQ people, and it was there that the group proposed what they called Beating the Drum. It was close to 3 in the morning. Sonia and Doris were brutally attacked by the group of young boyish nice skinheads. The neo-Nazi boys, all clad in steel-toed boots, began kicking the women's heads. One of the boys broke a toenail 30 seconds into the attack, and another shoved a broomstick handle into Sonia's chest. On their way out of the park, the six teens beat up a homeless man named Miguel, who only had vision in one eye. After the beating, Miguel lost his good eye and was left blind. The boys then proceeded to a bar called Visa V. Not only was Sonia's passing, the first murder investigated by Catalonia's then newly deployed Mossos de Squadra police force, but it was treated as a hate crime, even though prejudice as a motivating factor was only introduced into Spain's criminal code in 1995. In the search of the houses, of Berle Alcina Linares, David Parade Valdez, Hector and Isaac Lopez Frutos, Andres Pascual Prieto, and Oliver Sanchez Ria, They found neo-Nazi fanzines, brass knuckles, baseball bats, and buachosnaz cards. The ultra-supporter group of Barcelona that the boys were a part of has undergone one of the most interesting transformations in one of the shortest amounts of time since being formed in 1981. Boisius Nice means Boxwood Boys, and it switched from being a socialist and left-leaning organization to one characterized by violence and fascism. When a large group of skinheads joined the group, it quickly transitioned into a group of neo-fascists. Groups increasingly began getting involved in violence and other criminal activities. In 1991, a Boycho's member murdered a supporter of Espanol, while in 2010 members were arrested on the charge of stealing drugs from Moroccan and Colombian drug traffickers. In 2014, they stabbed two supporters of Paris Saint-Germain. Although not criminal, they threw a severed pig's head when Luis Figo returned to Camp Nou when playing for arch-rivals Real Madrid in 2000. While the Boixos are officially banned, they still gather behind Barcelona's northern goal, display Catalan nationalist flags, and even those with Nazi symbols during matches. Clearly, the Boixos are still around and will continue their affiliation with the club, whether positive or negative, for a while yet. The unrepentant teens were sentenced to a total of over 300 years behind bars in 1994, although their sentences were reduced by Spain's Supreme Court a few years later, and none of them are currently in prison for this crime. Sonia's murder was a turning point for the LGBT rights movement in Catalonia and beyond. Beatriz Espejo, an activist who founded the now-defunct CTC, remembers it well. In 1991, trans lives were taking off. There is an explosive sense of freedom, she told Catalan News. Eugenie Rodriguez, a member of the Gay Rights Liberation Front of Catalonia, one of the private prosecutors in Sonia's murder trial, agrees with Espejo. We were emerging from the darkness of the dictatorship, he says. Back then, we had groups of skinheads roaming the streets who acted, as Sonia's murder demonstrated, with impunity. According to him, her murder was a watershed movement. The LGBTI movement was aware of what was happening, but this opened Catalan society's eyes. Espejo also says Sonia's death and the harassment of sex workers in the Camp Nou area later on due to the 1992 Olympics were what inspired her to mobilize and form the CTC. Although progress has been made in the past 30 years, she believes that there's much room for improvement, even within the sometimes paternalistic social rights movements. In 1993, a plaque was placed on the bandstand. Quote, Sonia was murdered here at the hands of fascism on October 6, 1991. We do not forget. When it was officially renamed after Sonia in 2013, Barcelona became the first city in Europe to have a public space named after a trans person, complete with a historical marker explaining her story. Thirty years to the day of Sonia's murder, Barcelona honors her memory by holding a commemorative event with members of the LGBT community, activists, and local and Catalan politicians. Since then, the LGTBI collective has added legislative victories in recognition of rights the latest being the law that allows gender self-determination, approved in 2021. This means that transgender individuals will no longer have to declare themselves ill to modify their legal sex on their ID. They may do so based on the free expression of their will and will reaffirm the decision before the civil registry after three months. The rule recognizes that any person over 16 years of age may request the rectification of registration mention of sex before the civil registry. Thus, it reforms the 2007 law, considered a milestone at the time, which required individuals to have a report that diagnoses them with gender dysphoria and spend two years taking hormones. Government data shows 278 hate crimes related to sexual orientation or gender identity reported in Spain in 2019, 8.6% higher than 2018. LGBTQ rights groups say that the true figure is much higher as many incidents are never reported. Sonia Riscalvo-Zafra was a vivacious woman with a passion for performing. While she wasn't accepted by her biological family, the women she surrounded herself with made sure she felt loved and accepted. May Sonia's memory be kept alive, not by the horror she endured, but the stride she took towards transgender equality.